Welcome to the Alpha Parenting Podcast, a podcast where we speak to parents about the most practical ways to approach their toughest parenting challenges while eliminating unnecessary stress. I'm Yulia, an executive function coach dedicated to helping parents radically transform their relationship with their child. And my guest today is the lovely Latanya Carter. Hi, Latanya. Hey. How are you? You know what? I'm... A little tired. It's been a busy week already. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so, so glad to have you. And I'm so excited to continue our conversation. Um, just for, for those of you who don't know, Latanya um, and I have decided to um, have conversations once a week throughout this school semester um, to sort of follow how she helps her children navigate um the LAUSD public school system, that's Los Angeles School District. Um, and I believe that this gives parents a really huge insight um, into how they could possibly navigate. And um, I feel like a lot of parents can relate to, to what you're going through. Uh, so Latanya, this is week three of um, you navigating LAUSD with your kids. So tell me what's been going on uh, this week. Cool, cool. Um, you know, it's really interesting because my grade levels for my kids are kindergarten, third grade, and eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And they are all experiencing just quite different, you know, school experiences altogether. And there's and it's really interesting that, that we've decided to do what we're doing because this is at a time when, um, first of all, my, my, my third grader, he basically has never liked school mm-hmm. and, uh, mostly cause he's a gamer. Um, and it, they don't usually appeal to him in school because no one's really bringing that into the classroom and that sort of thing. And so he doesn't have much of an interest. Um, but I know that he has, um, you know, an interest in the gaming because he'll do the thing that I've seen, like my oldest, my 20 year old, you know, she'll stay up all night long and she'll, you know, study for physics for hours and hours into the wee morning. And, you know, she'll drink Red Bull to stay up, you know, she has a final or whatever. And she'll do that. Um, And similarly, he will do the same for the thing he's interested in, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's his game Um, where, and then, you know, comes along my kindergartner who's just entering school and is, but has watched, you know, her siblings all go to school. And, you know, there was a time when she wished she had gone to school. And when they do homework, she wanted to do homework. You know, she was the kid that was at home watching this school thing happen and just truly desired it. Like she wanted to do what they were doing. Right. And here we are, week three of her getting this opportunity to do the things she's always wanted to do. And the experience she's having is kind of heartbreaking for me. Um, her, her teacher has these strong, strong feelings about everything. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that the difference with the way we are at home, um, the kindergartner just, you know, we haven't been that type of home. And so to come into an environment where it's like, you know, you don't really have much freedom. You Mm -hmm. don't really get to choose very much and, and things are just sort of happening to you. I don't think that she fully understood or thought that this is what she meant. We were what they were leaving home to go do every day. Right. Um, but she, you know, so when, when I pick her up, you know, I'm always like asking the, the questions, you know, what, what, anything cool happened today? Anything exciting, you know, uh, want to tell me about anything? And she's like, same thing yesterday. Like, oh no. Okay. Um, well, any thoughts, you know? And so I thought it was so interesting that her thought for the the week was that she doesn't understand this idea of timeout. And I was like, oh, well, tell me more. You know, Mm -hmm. what do you what do you mean by that? She says, well, I think my teacher made it up. Okay, tell me more. And she's like, well, on the first day of school, there was no timeout. She never mentioned it. It never came up anywhere. And now all of a sudden there's this thing called timeout. And I was like, well, what is timeout? And she's like, well, you, you get in trouble and then you don't get to do fun stuff when everybody's doing fun stuff. You just sit and watch. And she's like, who wants to do that? And so it's like, yeah, you're right. That's, that's not a good um, idea. You know, and like, it seems a little, I was like, well, what, how do you know 
what causes you to go to timeout? And she said, it's whatever she wants. I'm like, what do you mean? She said, it's whatever the teacher wants it to be. And the thing that I got from that is that there are really no rules or ideas behind how this timeout thing is going to work. And so she's afraid every day that she might possibly get this timeout thing. Mm. And, and I, so I said, well, give me an example. Like what, what did someone do that made that cause them to have to go to timeout? And so she said, this little boy had put his hand in his mouth and the teacher asked him not to do it. And then he put his hand in his mouth again. And so he had to go to timeout and she was, her reaction was, I don't understand why him putting his hand in his mouth caused her any emotion. Why did he have to get in trouble for him putting his hand in his mouth? And here I am, the mom in this situation, trying to figure out, like, how do I, you know, navigate this classroom setting that is giving her these ideas about what's good and what's bad? And because she even later says that this kid is bad. Mm-hmm. And I said, wait, you just defended the fact that it didn't that it wasn't this teacher's business, that this kid was putting his hand in his mouth and that if it had been him putting his hand in someone else's mouth or someone else's hand is in someone, you know, like she felt like those things were separate from this woman's personal you know, space. Like, why would he get in trouble for this? And then a few minutes later, she's calling this kid bad, my daughter. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, you don't really feel that way. I don't think, though, because you were saying that that didn't make sense to you. Well, the teacher calls him bad. So I'm thinking if my child thinks that this kid is bad, what does this kid think about himself? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I definitely took the time at that moment to emphasize that, you know, you're you don't have to take on her emotion about this child. Like if if this kid is not a bad kid, I don't think you should walk around saying he's a bad kid either. I mean, you, you can use your own judgment here and you're free to do that. And I think it was just heart breaking to find out that you know she number one there's this thing called timeout that just was made up to to convenience the teacher you know and then this timeout is still being is also used to um you know characterize a child and and it, it's this punishment that everyone gets to watch and then now everyone's making a judgment you know and i just i think i struggle so hard with that because that's not excuse me that's definitely not what I send her in there to get and the part of education or the part of you know um the when you say well tell me something new and exciting and tell me about your day and this is what she says Mm -hmm. it, it hurts and it seems like this is what um of all the stuff that happened that day this is kind of what's stuck with her the most Um, And that's where I could see that's kind of disturbing as a parent. Um, You you don't know, you know, you're, you're kind of hoping that the day goes well for your kids. Right. Um, But you really have no control um, over the influences that they have. And you and I talk about this a lot. Um, Sometimes you'll say your kid said something to you at home and you're like, I don't, I don't say stuff like that. Where did you hear that? There are so many influencers out there. Um, and we talked about, you know, what's, I think what's really important is that you, what you are doing very well at home is you are, you're helping to reframe the stuff that goes on in the world that is outside of your control. Right. Right. Um, and you're having the right type of conversations where you're, um, getting to know how your child perceived that, what they think of it, and then helping them to see it from maybe a different perspective or think about it from a different perspective. And that's one of the most important roles for parents, in my opinion, is to help their kids um, frame the world and perceive it in many different ways so that they can develop, you know, it's what executive coaches call flexible thinking, the ability to see the same thing in multiple mm. perspectives. Because ultimately what this one of the skills you want your daughter to develop is the ability to make her own judgments um, based on her observations, based on evidence, and come to her own conclusions, which um, to me has always been my philosophy about education, uh, is a ed- truly educated person is able to make observations and come to their own conclusions. Um, so 
it's it's hard to to navigate that kind of stuff but there's i think there's always a silver lining um behind something that's negative sure uh you you get that positive skill so um yeah because no i was actually trying to think you know personally like how what is it that i should be getting from this or what is it that i can do right so Mm -hmm. one of my thoughts was you know maybe and I don't know what you think. <laughs> um, maybe I should try to go in and help the teacher, right? Um, and I, like, as a parent helper, I, mm-hmm. I not to go in and try to control anything, but maybe I kept thinking, like, you know, maybe she's stressed out, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe having someone in there to help her would relieve some of the stress. And then, because the thing that my, my kindergartner often says, like, in the morning when it's time to go to school, she goes... I just don't feel like going today. And I'm like, oh, why not? Well, you know, what's anything in particular? She says, yes, she screams so much. Mm. And, and and my my 13-year-old, my eighth grader goes, well, stop doing stuff to make her scream. And she said, I don't do anything to make her scream. I just don't want to hear it. Like, she's tired of hearing her teacher scream every day. Mm-hmm. And, it, and so it, my, my thought is like, okay, maybe she's like under a lot of stress. Maybe the kids are, you know, I have no idea. I'd love to talk to her um I don't know how to really approach that though because I mean I don't want her to ever feel like I'm you know this is her classroom yes and I'm not trying to do anything but my thought would be is if I come from a helpful standpoint maybe Mm -hmm. um which truly is you know it's a that's a true place for me like I I can come I can help I can uh just be an extra set of hands um maybe by doing something like that it relaxes her I don't know. I mean, um, it's funny you mentioned that it, I mean, I think as a parent, you want to do everything, like try everything you can. Um, but I would just be interested in observing okay, um, sure. <clears throat> in just observing because, uh, just a quick story from, from one of my experiences, uh, I was at an IEP meeting. That's an individualized education plan meeting uh, for students who have, any sort of um, disability. In this case, it was a very young child. Um, she was in second grade, and her IEP was um, to help her with her attention deficit disorder. And there were certain accommodations that she had in the classroom. But during this meeting, um, w- you know, the conversation kind of veered toward, well, it's really, it's kind of hard for her to focus. And, you know, the teacher says that it's hard for her to stay on task. So, uh, but, you know, when I worked with her independently at home, mm-hmm. I, I didn't see any of those symptoms. In fact, when I assessed her, she passed my assessment with such flying colors mm. that I got this idea that maybe she's just bored in class. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just not interested. Um, there were some areas that she really needed to focus on, and she did have issues with attention. But I thought I needed to get a bigger picture here be- because something wasn't lining up. Mm-hmm. Because at home she was totally different in class, you know, than what they said she was in class. So I... Um, the vice principal invite, invited me into the school. In fact, they were happy. They were glad that I can come and observe and take notes and, and give them a little more feedback. Sure. You know, because the school was kind of like understaffed for that kind of stuff. And sure. I was super happy to help. Um, and in the second grade classroom, I want to say there were about 25 kids. And this girl sat in the second row. There was just rows of tables facing the front. And... Um, I want to say this about her teacher. Her teacher made me feel anxious. Mm. I'm an adult. I'm an educator. I'm sitting in a classroom. The majority of my friends are teachers. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all I do is talk about education and teaching and setting up, you know, how to, how to manage a classroom so that um, your students feel emotionally safe, feel like it's a space where they can make, you know, mistakes and go out on a limb and try new things and participate and contribute and all those things. And what I noticed from this teacher is that from the get go, as early in the morning, you know, as she gets there, she seems overwhelmed and she seems frustrated. And it's hard for her to kind of get the kids to Mm. listen. And she ends up yelling. Yeah. 
And I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's just because they're rowdy, they're getting in, and, you know, this is just like, all right, everyone hurry up and sit down and rush, rush, rush. But as we go through the day, and I, I ended up staying for about three hours because mm-hmm. I really wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I, yeah. I you. really, Good job. I, you know, I really wanted to, 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 to sit there and really see how she navigates her day. And I was pretty shocked when literally throughout the entire class, oh, she resorted to... Um, just reacting to the kids' reactions, right? So I expect kids in second grade, you know, seven, eight-year-olds, I expect them to be rowdy. I expect their focus to be all over the place. I expect them to, you know, take a few extra minutes to maybe follow a direction. Um, And there were certain kids who were very quiet, but there were certain kids who had questions to ask or who wanted to make a comment or who even just wanted to help her pass something out. Mm. And each one of these things was met with her frustration because there was a certain agenda that she had right. and she needed to get through it, which I understand. Sure. And there were some obstacles in her way, but, and you know, the kids would sort of test her authority. Mm. Um, one of them would like play around and the other, you know, would, and then she would point out the kids who were doing it right. And she'd say, oh, little Tommy is, you know, focused and working. Good job, Tommy. Mm-hmm. And then the kids who were not following along, she would call them out. And she'd say something like, Henry, you know, I'm just making names up. (laughs) Henry, um, uh, you know, this is the third time I'm telling you to do this. And you're still not paying attention. And everyone else in your row is this. And you're going to hold up. And I mean, she would just go on a bit of a tirade. And then she'd, you know, something else to her left or whatever while she was focusing on some kid on right. Someone else to her left would start, you know, kind of like, fiddling around with her folder and then her attention were there and then the other kid who she was talking to before you know it's our kind of acting out again and I got the sense from her that she just did not command the respect of these kids um what they were doing was sort of boring and like it was just very rote you know copy down this thing from the board and then do this and you know, I was no, just I get it. I completely upset. get it. Yeah, no, I, I think I, and I think I understand that you're my first place then would be maybe I take a seat and just kind of observe because mm-hmm. um, at this point, I'm only getting this one side of a story, which right. may, I may need a little more information before I make my next move. Is that what you're? Yeah, but I guess my bigger point is okay. this is um, like that it's part of that is I don't want to assume anything until I see it. Right. Of course. Of course. And the conclusion that I came to, you know, once I was able to speak to this mom after observing was a, I, a, in the middle of this chaos, your daughter was actually one of the students sitting there and quietly doing her work. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't see this behavior problem that was outlined. Um, and, you know, I'll come back and do another thing and look at her in the playground or whatever. But ultimately what my, you know, the reason why she hates going to school is what she told her mom. You know, the reason why is because she just, I don't think she feels happy, safe, you mm. know, curious in her classroom. And this is a seven-year-old um, who doesn't have the ability to speak up for herself. And t- for all she knows, this is normal behavior. Right. This is course. how adults treat kids. And it's fine. Um and, and plus, does she even have the capacity? I mean, because that's the, the other thing. Like, I feel like, you know, at what point, I mean, even as an adult myself, I still mm-hmm. sometimes am at a loss for words that fit my necessary emotion, like the mm-hmm. word that's necessary for the emotion I'm trying to explain with words, right? Right. So I feel something and I can't even find the word myself that I'm looking right. for. And so here I am with this kindergartner who's five who needs to figure out how to express an emotion and then their words are even more limited than mine and so it's one of those things where it's like I'm trying to explain to you as a kid what I need what's what's happening to me and then I'm being fed back no 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 uh she's bad she's this or she's 80 like you're just giving me a title that fits your agenda right 
And your daughter, she was so excited to go to school. She literally has no reason. I'm so sad. Like, really, this is the first year. I feel like here's what I would think. And I, I I'm, let me say this also. I have a whole lot of kids. This right. is not my first kindergarten. This is actually my last. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> this is my last kindergarten. But I've been, I've done, I have seven kids. I've done kindergarten more than once. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I know kindergarten can look different from this. Um, I remember my now eighth graders kindergarten teacher. First of all, when you walked into the classroom, the atmosphere of the room was mm-hmm. so inviting. I didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, she had it looking like, I mean, it was, I think she had a jungle theme and she had this big tree made out of like paper and stuff that was like growing out of her um, chalkboard or whiteboard or whatever. And it, it was just like, you, there, every corner had like a nook that was decorated with this thing and a rug and a chair and a, there were books. And it was just like, I think that if my now kindergartner walked into that room, mm-hmm. she, I know her so well. I just feel like she would have been in heaven and all she ever would have talked about was school. Mm-hmm. Her, the room that she walks into now, it is white with very serious lettering like the alphabet are written across the top and the numbers and it's very serious it's like mm. it's like a probably what you would think of as like a maybe like a seventh grade mm-hmm. room like an eighth grade room where it's just you walk into math and it's just math on the like there's nothing fun about right. it right and like we got to make it serious this is what the kindergarten classroom looks like and then the teachers energy her behavior her act like everything about her is exactly like this room and mm. so this kid walks in every day, especially from a home like mine, where it's like free and like. Oh, and just to, <laughs> just to paint a picture of your home to the audience, it's just the walls are just covered in art that is kind of, um, would you say, like your family made it either together or separately? And- yeah, there's no art, no fancy art that we didn't pay any <laughs> money for. It's like canvas paintings. Yeah, it's beautiful. Just, yeah, so there's there's some... And I like one of the things that I, that I like about the art is you can see the kids grow. Mm-hmm. So there's some of those art pieces are, you know, a couple years old. And so the now 13 year old has paintings on the wall that are from when she was seven. Mm-hmm. And so you can see her growth. But, yeah, it's just colorful and free and fun. And, you know, I have a table that has like paint stuck <laughs> on it and right. glue. And like I don't it's very free and like hopefully fun feeling. And so she leaves here and walks into like prison right <laughs> the sterile environment with this mean teacher yes and she's just greeting him at the door like today you will avoid timeout or not I'm like wait why is this the only thing we're talking about yeah <laughs> yeah it's awful and I just think you know you have a chance a choice and a chance and an opportunity as a teacher right now in this moment to set a stage for what school is and here's this kid who had this idea this dream of going to this place where her all of her siblings have always gone and they leave her each day and they go to this wonderful place called school and they come home and they do this stuff and then she walks into the thing that she thought and it's you mm-hmm. and you had an opportunity to do one thing or the other and this is your choice right Ugh. Hurts my feelings. And you know what? Let's just say that your daughter's sort of perceiving it incorrectly, right? Let's say that she's wrong and she, maybe she's sure. being fussy or maybe sure. she's exaggerating. But here, and, and I think you and I talked about that. Like, okay, how much do I trust my five-year-old, right? Sure, sure. And that's why you thought of uh, going in and observing and just kind of drinking in the environment. But even without having done that, I think that how a child feels, absolutely, how they feel and how they perceive it, whether that's the reality or yes. not objectively, that's just as valid. I, I wholeheartedly agree because even as you were saying that, I'm thinking, you know what? It really doesn't matter what happens when I physically go in there because the emotion and the thing that she feels is what is the only thing that matters. Yeah. It's real enough it's, for her yes. in order to disrupt, you know, her normal, happy-go-lucky, excited. Yeah. I mean, I've seen your daughter literally pick up a book and start writing her thoughts yeah. and ask you, you know, is this spelled right, mommy? And, yeah. and help me do this. And, oh, it's got to be perfect. Like, she um, loves, 
she, she loves does. doing that and, and yeah. having people look at what she's produced and you know like give her feedback she loves that kind of stuff no, I mean didn't you tell me she was playing teacher with oh, her grandma gosh. <laughs> yeah we'll save that for another time <laughs> that's a whole story in and of itself so, yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about it but I mean this little girl was so excited about school um and I'm uh, I'm sad I'm sad hearing this and I hope that you know what I want to hear is how this evolves and whether or not absolutely um, you know it gets any better for her yeah because you know here's the thing also I mean I'll use this kind of to transition into the third grader because mm-hmm. um the, I the reason that I know this is somewhat different is that this is our third year in school with him right mm-hmm. and or fourth I guess if you count him but <laughs> The thing is, is that he didn't like to go to school. He didn't want to go to school. So if he'd come home with this information, it would be completely different. Right. Because he has, he, he took into school a negative energy. Mm. He did not want to go into there. He had no, he had already fixed his mind on it being a horrible thing. Right. And so since it was going to be a horrible thing, he got a horrible thing out versus going in, expecting something great and wonderful and ready for that. I think that's a different sentiment. Um, whereas now he goes to school and absolutely loves it. His teacher is amazing. Okay. Like this woman is unbelievably amazing. So much so that he even joked it was going to be a long weekend, um, for Labor Day. And so (laughs) he (laughs) joked with with her because she knows that she gets in the car every single time, the the kindergartner, and and is complaining about the teacher and always saying, like, the teacher's yelling and, you know, this timeout thing. She talks about this stuff in the car on the way. Mm -hmm. So he jokingly said to her, are you going to miss your teacher this weekend? Ha, 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 ha. Uh It was, like, funny (laughs) to him, right? And then she was like, you know I'm not going to miss my teacher. And then I said to him, are you going to miss your teacher? He said, yeah, I wish I could take her home with me. I know. What a difference. And I'm just like, I know that he's had bad school experiences, but his school experiences, like I said, basically come from him not wanting to go to school. Not because he was having a bad teacher or a bad, you know. um, And I just think that that the fact they go to the same school. Right. These two people exist in the same school, you know, and I'm just like, really? Yeah. It's hard picking schools. It's hard picking schools. And so many parents would ask me, you know, what school would you recommend? My kid is interested in this and this is the kind of teachers. But it's it's hard because like your kids are having two completely different experiences in the same place. Well, and but I'll say this, though. This school um, has a magnet program Mm -hmm. Um, there. But the magnet starts at first grade. So Mm -hmm. the kindergarten teacher is actually not a magnet in the Mm -hmm. magnet program. So and I don't know. to be honest, I mean, I don't know enough about the system to know mm-hmm. whether or not that alone affects, like, what, she, you know, her position. I, don't, I have no idea, but right. I do know that that is a fact of, in the matter, you know, and I don't know if so right. I'm, I'm put that out there because maybe the magnet gets more resources. I, I think I'm actually interested in looking that up and, like, kind of understanding a whole lot better how that works. But we did. We're, we're driving 20 minutes away, and that's with no traffic in L.A., mm-hmm. so it's actually a 20-minute drive. You right. know, it's not 20 minutes because of traffic right. um, to send them to the school. And so it's kind of this place where I'm just like, okay, I know for sure it's a good choice for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I cannot say for certain right now that this is what's best for her. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not opposed to, like, giving it some time to figure things out either, but it's just that... Um, choosing a school, like you said, it, it matters because we could t- definitely be at our neighborhood school. Right. You know, and who knows what the kindergarten teacher would have been like. Yeah. So these choices are, you know, a part of navigating education as a parent is, you know, having options and then making choices. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you know, you're not, and after, you have a lot of experience. You've been a teacher, you've been a professor, you work with students. Um, You've got your own kids who've been through the system. And I just want to emphasize how even now, um, it's still it's still difficult to navigate. Absolutely. You're kind of stuck in a little bit of a dilemma. Um, but I, I believe, you know, just talking to you throughout the semester is going to give us such an insight into, you know, like, how do you make these choices and how do you navigate? And it's almost like... Like, I hate to say it this way, but it's like you're sacrificing one kid's 
um, you know, positive yeah. experience for another one almost. I like, know, I know, <laughs> I know. You know what? I, I, I'm very happy that I have people like you who give very good insight on how to, because um, I think there's a balance between home and school that we'll find with this. You know what I mean? Like with the information mm-hmm. that I have, like, having you around and your feedback is always so amazing and so helpful. And I think that even with her, you know, she can have that experience at school. And then if we're able to have these discussions, then even those experiences for her aren't necessarily terrible, you know, right. um, they, they may be in the moment, but we, we have all these tools that we can use to help us, um, you know, get through it. And then, you right. know, who knows, this might be the best experience she's ever had because she learned so much, you know? Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm open to yeah. um, not beating myself up so much about this decision because it is, you're right. I, I am choosing a great opportunity for him that at the time right now, it does seem like it may not be the best thing for her, but I'm, I'm definitely looking for the silver lining and the fact that maybe I just can't see it yet. That's what I really love about you. And I remember um, you even said something like, uh, well, maybe she needs to have this bad experience now to really appreciate the awesome teacher she's going to get next year. No, I really believe (laughs) that, you know, you really can't have, I mean, you, sweet's good, but (sighs) it's so much sweeter when you know and have experienced bitter, Mm. you know, like the the sweetest, you know, knowing what, bitter is definitely makes things sweeter I think so having you know I think one of the things I said to you when I was saying that was that you know I just don't know if this is the year for that because I know that young minds are very you know but again I guess that's still the reason why this might be okay because if her young mind gets to learn very early on how to deal with things that come her way that aren't the way she'd want them to be then maybe that makes life easier to learn that that skill very early I don't know yeah we'll have to see right? yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll have to see um it's funny as we're talking about all this uh I literally uh I can't remember my experience too much in kindergarten mm. but I have this photo with me my teacher and these two other girls and every time I look at the photo I remember how mean those two other girls were mm. <laughs> and I remember how nice and loving my teacher was um and she's just giving all of us a big hug. And I literally can't remember a word this teacher ever spoke to me. Mm. But I just remember her energy. Um, and that I felt kind of safe. Um, because yeah. school, um, for me, uh, I was a young immigrant. I actually didn't speak English at that age. And my teacher, I went to a school that I spoke Russian and I went to a school in a Russian neighborhood in West Hollywood that was predominantly Russian. So, um, teacher was too. And I felt so safe with her because it's like, not only did she literally understand what I was saying, but she took the time to listen. And, uh, uh, so I just remember that vibe from her. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, that just, he just reminded me of that experience. So no, that's so good. It's, I love that you pointed out that you felt safe because now that may, you know, that puts even more context to the idea of going to a place where someone's screaming and yelling and there's this timeout thing. Like you walk into that, do you feel safe? You know, I can't imagine that she feels safe. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's funny because a lot of the um, teachers that are my friends, you know, we talk about the first six weeks of school. You know, you're doing everything mm. else you need to do, but the number one priority is to create a space where your kids feel emotionally safe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our brains work in such a way that our cognitive processing abilities, our ability to hold information in mind long enough to apply it, our ability to follow directions, our ability to think in creative ways and to create and to solve problems, all of those functions, they, um, they all operate out of our prefrontal cortex, which is um, the part of our brain um, right behind our eyeballs. 
And to put this into a greater context, um, what teachers do when they do not create an emotionally safe space for their, their class, um, what they're doing is they're not allowing their kids to tap into that prefrontal cortex because that part of your brain is only active um, and functioning properly when you are in a state of joy and play and you know imagination and creativity that's an energy that's a feeling throughout your body that you have when you feel emotionally safe and you can let your guard down a little bit but if you're a teacher who is not focusing on the emotional safety of your students what you might unknowingly be doing is creating an environment where they could never really relax into that part of their brain when you feel like you're not safe when you feel like your guard is up and at any moment now you're going to get in trouble or there's going to be something you know happening to you you're going to get sent to time out if your child is feeling unsafe that means her guard is up her um, emotional center of her brain is activated and what that is doing is it is diverting um her Uh, attention away from what's going on around her and it's causing her to feel anxiety and it's such a physical reaction because the amygdala sends a signal to your adrenal glands and they send a signal to your heart to your muscles that "Uh oh we're not safe Mm -hmm. get ready you know you need energy you need adrenaline get ready to fight get ready to freeze get ready to run um because something's up And your brain, your body, your kid, they cannot tell the difference between, uh, I don't know, a bear standing there Mm -hmm. (laughs) who's about to chase them and any other source that's also causing their brain to function the same way. So That just gave me so much anxiety. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) But the reason, but here's what I'm saying. It's, you're not just a mom who's venting to me on this podcast. This is real. This is how your child's executive functions are being affected by an environment that does not nurture her and safety, emotional safety is the number one most important important factor mm-hmm. in the success of your kids in your class because guess what if the if their little amygdalas are firing off and they don't feel safe their prefrontal cortex is literally going to shut down and they are not going to be able to sustain their attention to follow directions to solve problems all they care about is i don't feel well i don't mm-hmm. feel right and they're going to be focused in on that kind of disturbing sort of you know, sensations that are going through their body. Um, So the number one thing you can do as a parent is to help your child reframe Mm -hmm. that experience and actually educate them about what's going on in their body and their mind. And from there, you can start giving them some of those tools to cope with, you know, situations that aren't going their way a mantra like a meditating center (laughs) absolutely and you know what um positive affirmations yeah um I used to work with a student very very young and um I taught her all this stuff about the brain and we drew pictures Mm -hmm. and we did coloring and all this stuff and so the next time she had this math question that would just cause her to hyperventilate Mm -hmm. and get all anxious I'd remind her, let's take a deep breath and let's get our brain to go into that fun part of it where you can solve this problem in your imagination. Mm-hmm. And we would um, we would take a deep, deep, deep breath, put up our index finger in front of our mouth as if we we're blowing out a candle. And in that deep breath in, um, we thought about what our positive affirmation was going to be. And then before we exhaled, we'd say something like, okay, here's her positive affirmation. Okay, this math question is really hard, but I'll be able to figure it out Mm -hmm. if I try. And then she'll say that and blow out the candle and exhale. Mm -hmm. And what that did was it allowed her to feel her anxiety. Okay. Okay. But at the same time, it allowed her to tell a different story. I love that. And she began to believe that different story. And that thing that we did, 
to take a deep breath and do the candle thing, all of that, it sort of interrupted her normal, um, the normal thing she would do at that point, which is like, oh, right. oh my gosh, I can't, I can't. And she'd kind of hype and she'd just get fidgety. And she, and then what she would do is she'd become the best, the world-class comedian <laughs> <laughs> and start distracting me with stories of her day. You know, she's actually an actress. So she's just yeah. like, oh, you know, she could get my attention pretty easily away from what we were doing. And I was yeah. like, <laughs> someone's like, wait a second, we need to redirect this energy right here. Um, but, you know, she was just trying to avoid what was causing her pain and her tummy to ache and all that stuff. I love that so much because I'll tell you mm-hmm. that my favorite part of that is that you said I get to actually experience the emotion because so many times when I hear people tell me something like, like that or give me some sort of advice it's like pretend that the emotion didn't happen and then move forward I like that because I get to acknowledge that I do feel some type of way right and I think that that's fair especially at her age being being told to let go of your feeling or your emotion or don't be sad about that like I think that's hard because they're so young and that's really all they've had because they don't have the words and so saying you know it's okay to feel what you feel and then you get to go on from there and I think that's got to be much easier than just going get over it move on wait what that happened to me just trying to make her feel better right you know we're so obsessed with feeling good sure that we are so afraid of the opposite we're a lot of us are so afraid of our emotions that we do literally avoid them at all costs. Sure. So, yes, thank you for sharing that because I feel like, yeah, I was growing up and I'd be like, oh, this and that. And it's like, get over it, get dude. Over it. That's just how the world is. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Like, wait, wait. No, I, I, this is what I really feel. Like, I want right. to feel it for a little bit. And then I think yeah. even ha- taking on the feeling and discovering what it, you know, why and where it came from and things like that gives you an opportunity to learn better from the feeling. Just getting over it doesn't make me grow in any way. Right. But going ahead and acknowledging it, recognizes that, recognizing that when I'm in this situation, it makes me feel this way. That helps you learn to maybe avoid those situations because you don't want to keep going there. But if you mm-hmm. don't know what's making you go there because you didn't stop to acknowledge it, Right. then, of course, you get back there again. And to learn that at such a young age, I would think would be paramount because, like, I mean, I'm just now figuring that out in my age. Right. Like, can right. I imagine what life would have been like to know something like that in kindergarten? Absolutely. And you know the coolest thing about this is that, you know, yeah, executive function, when, I, when I'm reading scholarly articles or talking to professionals, it, you know, the, the words we're using, they're kind of jargon. Sure. And, everything's you know neurological this and that and all these latin terms but at the very core these concepts um what i love about them is that once you get them they're so simple and if we can simplify it so that a five-year-old understands you know how your brain works what's going on in your body right now this is why you feel this your feelings are valid and let's talk about when your teacher yells what does your body feel like and you mentioned something about not having the right words to describe your emotions Mm -hmm. and that's as an adult like a well-educated adult with a big vocabulary and I'm struggling to find a word that describes this feeling but what I say is let's just get let's simplify everything and let's feel our bodies and let's get out of our head and say when x happens when this happens my body feels like this my my stomach kind of feels like it's gurgling and it it hurts a little and then you know I might need to run to the bathroom um a lot of you know gastrointestinal issues are related to stress and part of that is because um you know let's say your kid ate breakfast in Mm -hmm. the morning or had a snack and then she's sitting down in this environment what her body is telling her muscles to do and her heart and whatever is divert all systems to fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. And P.S. Stomach, you, you know, um, processing the food right now, uh-uh, we don't need that. We need, you know, this person to be able to survive. It's That's not as important. So we're going to redirect the blood flow away from digestion and we're going to send it over here to your, you know, your muscles. Yeah. 
And that causes, you know, your digestive system to shut down for that bit of time. And it just kind of disrupts all the functions of your body. And that's why a lot of us, when we feel anxious, we actually feel get sick to our stomach. Wow. Now, if we do not know that that's the cause, if we don't know that that's going on in our bodies and we feel like that, all of a sudden we are just frightened. Oh my gosh, I feel terrible. What's going on? I have no idea. And I don't feel good here. And I just want to run away. Um, that's why a lot of us avoid our problems and avoid our anxiety because we're trying to just not feel it. It's uncomfortable. But the best thing you can do as a parent is to help your child feel more comfortable with her discomfort. Oh my and, gosh, thank you. <laughs> and, and tell you, you know, help her navigate her body, her physical body and say, well, what does it feel like in your tummy when that happens? And do you start breathing faster? Do you get sweaty? Um, do you get warm or cold? All of these somatic responses, um, you know, happen as a result of that. So the more awareness you build from a younger age, mm -hmm. the better she's going to be able to navigate these feelings and really process them. Because once you turn your attention inward and you feel your feelings and you think about things and you come to certain conclusions, you, what you're doing is you're processing that so that it doesn't affect you as strongly next time. I love it. I love yeah. it. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for letting me go on that little bit of a rant. No, that was perfect. <laughs> it's, it's the purpose and I appreciate it. So thank Absolutely. you so much. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's good. <sighs> so, um, so week three, oh my gosh, it's just the beginning. <laughs> just the beginning. But you know what? With these kind of tools, I mm -hmm. am very confident and I'm, you know, number one, I'm appreciative. Um, I look forward to like having more conversations with her now because I think when I was in the position before this, I was just, I could hear what she was saying, was a little bit afraid of making sure that I didn't cross the line of bashing her teacher because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to give her emotions. I didn't want to give her any emotions. Mm -hmm. um, I, but with this information, I think I know now how to go into those conversations and how to be a part of the conversation. Whereas before I was just more listening and I was taking it in and trying very hard to make sure that I stayed in my lane so to speak and um but i think with this this is these are tools this is a tool that mm -hmm. is designed to help her and so right. this feels better than anything else i had like you know my plan was like maybe i'll go in there and help the teacher <laughs> la 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 and like, here we are at this at this point in our conversation and now i have a tool that will help her my daughter but you know what who knows in turn it may help the teacher as well and i'm still down to go into the classroom right. and check it out see what's up you know be a helping hand if i need to but I think I really was looking for a tool to help my child. And I don't even know that I, as the parent, had the right question. So I'm glad we had this conversation. I appreciate Wonderful. it. Wonderful. Yeah. And you said it right. It's like knowing what questions to ask, knowing what to look out for. Um, that's like, you know, the biggest challenge. Um, like, how do I help? I want to help. How do I do that? Um, but I want to commend you on something really great. And that is the what I really want parents to understand is whether or not you know any of this stuff, the, the number one thing you can do is listen when your kid tells you something and make them feel heard, make them feel felt. And what you said is so groundbreaking. It's I didn't want to give her any of my emotions. Mm -hmm. And on a very subconscious level, when you're interacting with your kids or anyone, what they are doing also subconsciously, is they're feeling your feelings. We have these mirror neurons in our brain, and what they do is they fire off when another person's neurons are firing. And not all of our neurons are mirror neurons, but the part of our brain that processes emotion, um, we do that by reflecting other people's emotions. And what you are doing is you are shielding your daughter um, from your negative negative emotions right because mm -hmm. obviously you're feeling some sort of way when right. she's telling you this stuff no, of course I'm, like, I'm about to go up here and tell this woman <laughs> <laughs> you our initial reaction to that is you know it's not very mindful yeah, it's your it's, kid you know, it's your it's, pet. i'm a mama yeah. bear let's be honest exactly. let's put that out there i am that mama bear that's like uh -uh, don't mess with my kids <laughs> i will get at you so yeah i'm having to restrain myself most often because i don't want that 
And yeah, and you're really creating that emotional safety for your child as she talks to you. Um, And she, you know, part of navigating the world is navigating relationships. And, you know, uh, the biggest lesson I've had to learn, and now as an adult looking back, and it's, this took me so long to learn, is um, how, what does a healthy relationship look like, right? Mm -hmm. Our relationships are the most important part of our lives. And to be able to differentiate between somebody who can meet your emotional needs and somebody who can't, um, to differentiate between who you can trust and who you can't, and um, to navigate all the different people you're going to meet, you know, throughout your lifetime, um, your parent, your parent is that role model, is that example of this is how you know, you should expect people to treat you. And this is how you can advocate for yourself if that's not happening. And so you just by nature of A, being there and B, listening and C, taking action based on your values, based on the outcomes you want to see, um, you are modeling that behavior to her. Um, And over time, you are going to be the biggest influencer for your children. I don't care how many adults they meet, you, the parent, um, you're going to give them the biggest uh, imprint of, you know, how they're going to navigate the world and their relationships. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of peace of mind going through this, um, along with the tools, you know, just knowing that what you are doing is absolutely along the lines of teaching your daughter these skills. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Feels good. <laughs> Wonderful. So I think... Um, I think we're good for, for today. Is there anything yeah. you wanted to pepper in about week three? <laughs> um, no, I don't know that I do. Uh, my eighth grader is loving her service period. She got service period, um, first period. And she, I like her feedback on it was just that um, it, it fits her personality because she doesn't, the first thing she does when she goes to school is help someone. Mm-hmm. One. Mm-hmm. And then she says she doesn't have to sit down. So usually what you go to first period in some class and you sit down right. and, you're and you don't have to, you can't move, you can't do anything. She said, it's the best part of going to school now is that she walks in and doesn't have to sit down in a desk. She's <laughs> like the, she's the service person in the, in the, the office. Right. So she's up and she's putting flyers in the mailboxes and she's, you know, walking around and passing out things and they're asking her to take this to the classroom. And so she's walking around and she's active period one awesome and and that these are her words she was like I just so glad that my first period I don't have to go in and sit down and just start working beautiful so it's it's amazing um I I have no (laughs) bad things to say at all about this so they've been so amazing I'm having a wonderful year that's awesome and how's your I just want to know how's your 20 year old doing at UCLA Uh, (laughs) okay I need to she's neuroscience right I just want to put that out there and then we're going to leave that alone all right (laughs) she's taking physics too so she's uh yeah I remember um, I remember it just real fast um it was your birthday party a couple days ago yeah and um at like I don't know close to nine 10 p.m. maybe she was like all right I got 12 chapters of physics to study yep <laughs> and she loves her life yep yeah that's <laughs> I was like that's wow the story like it's like hey what are you doing today <laughs> studying physics I was like oh yeah okay well I'll talk to you later <laughs> yeah we don't talk much physics is the only thing that's happening that's right so now funny. so yeah. all right well I love catching up with you I can't wait uh, for our next conversation Yay. and thank yeah. you so much for joining us absolutely today.